Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, tomorrow is Good Friday, but we know the end of the story. And so on tonight's broadcast, we're going to be talking about what we're going to be celebrating this coming Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen and be encouraged. I want to read first from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, and then we'll be looking at John chapter 20. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, this is God's word. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born, for I am the least of all the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. That is God's word. Now turn, if you would, to John chapter 20, verses 1 through 23. This is God's word. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. 
They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a good word for the staff at Wares Valley Ranch. As we serve children from very difficult situations, we trust in the Lord to supply our needs, especially the essentials. That's where our ranch hands step in. Ranch hands are our monthly donors, and we would be sunk without them. We thank God for those who are helping with the necessities with monthly gifts, regardless of the amount. You can become a ranch hand at wvr.org. Look for the donate button to learn more about how you can help. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is This and he's message, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the sacrifice for our sin, this message, the gospel, the good news, is not a myth, it's not a legend, it is factual history. How do we know this is really true? How do we know it's really accurate? I am so glad you asked that question. The evidence is 
absolutely overwhelming. And person after person after person after person who has tried to disprove the resurrection because they hated this whole Christian thing ended up becoming a convert. A couple of the most famous, a couple of favorites of mine, Lou Wallace, military hero of the 1800s. At least he was a hero to those who were on his side. Lou Wallace, who hated the church, hated Christianity, hated God. And he wanted to debunk the whole thing. So he set out to prove that it was all a lie. And he ended up not only becoming convinced that it was true, but he wrote a book called Ben-Hur, which has done pretty well over the years. More recently, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel, who was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Trib, who won awards for his ability to sleuth out the truth, was married to an unbeliever like himself, and she got saved. And he was so miserable that he decided, I've got to either divorce her or persuade her that this is not true. And so he set out to use his investigative reporting skills to prove that it was not true. Didn't work. He has spent the rest of his life now as an apologist for the Christian faith, spreading the good news because the evidence is overwhelming. Well, Pastor, are you going to present all that evidence? No, I will happily, if, if anybody has questions after, I will happily refer you to a wealth of evidence. But that's not the problem most of us have. The factual, historical evidence of the resurrection is not in doubt by anybody who's interested in knowing the truth. But it's not just history. It's current reality. I've shared with you before, more than once, the story of the night before Easter when I was at 16-year-old in Charleston, South Carolina on vacation with my parents. And God put it on my heart to witness to some kids I'd never met before. And I didn't know what I was going to say, but when I started speaking to them, this is what came out. I said, are you guys going to be in church tomorrow? And they said, yeah. Why? Because they're in Charleston, South Carolina. And back in that era, if you lived in the South, you were almost certainly going to be in church on Easter because, you know, that's what everybody does. So they said, yeah. And I said, you are? Don't you know what's going to happen there tomorrow? And they said, no. And I said, those people are gathering together to celebrate the idea that Jesus is alive. Dead people don't come back to life, do they? Well, no. No. And I said, you don't believe that, do you? And they said, no. And I said, you know what's even more amazing? And they said, what? I said, it's true. He really did rise from the dead. He's alive right now. And I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with those guys and with a crowd that gathered on the sidewalk and in the street. Why? Because what I was able to share with them is the fact that Jesus isn't just an historical figure. 
Jesus is alive. Right now. He conquered death. Lazarus came back to life, but he hasn't been resurrected yet. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the first person in history to be resurrected, and he lives and reigns forever. That means because Jesus is alive, this changes everything. We can know him now. Not just know about him, we can know him. I know a lot about Martin Luther, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, a number of other people who've interested me. I know a lot about a lot of historical figures. I don't know any of them. They're dead. So, the question is, what's your relationship with Jesus? Have you cried out to him to save you? Do you look to him as the one who is alive right now? Do you talk with him? Do you obey him? Did you hear that last question? Do you obey him? Because, you see, he's not only alive, Jesus Christ is Lord. He conquered death, and he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Well, where do I need to go? If you really look at what he says there, it's more wherever you are, as you go. In other words, it's not like, well, you know, I'm just not sure I'm supposed to go and make disciples. Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm in Where's Valley. Make disciples. Oh. It, it's not about geography. It's about the fact that this message is for the whole world, and that includes where we are. We are the ends of the earth. If you get a globe and you look at where Jesus was when he said that, well, we're on the other side. Somebody brought the message to us. You're here today because somebody shared the good news with you. And hopefully, they encouraged you to do all that Jesus says. But I'll tell you this. It's not enough just to believe that intellectually. You need to cultivate that relationship with him personally. And you can because he's real and he's not too busy. I am happy to pray for people when people ask me, would you please pray for this and pray for that? I do that all the time. And I am deeply grateful that there are tons of folks who pray for me and who pray for us and who pray for this ministry. Thank God for that. But I'll tell you something. Sometimes I get the impression when people ask me to pray for them that they feel like God will listen to me and might not listen to them. Many, many years ago, we had a young woman who came here from Texas in order to work as a volunteer in our school. And <clears throat> I had been on a television show that she had watched with her mom uh, in, in Texas. 
And uh, she'd seen my wife and me there, and so because we were on an electronic device, she regarded us as celebrities. And when she got here, um, I picked her up in our car, and, uh, and she was just over the moon. She just couldn't believe that she was, she was, I mean, you're, you're Jim Wood. It's like, yeah. yeah. Wow, I just can't believe you're giving me a ride yourself. I said, Christy, I want you to know something. We're not special. We're just God's children. And God loves you just as much as he loves us. After she'd been here a while, she had a real need in her life. She wanted me to pray about it. I said, Christy, I'm happy to pray about it, but I want you to pray about it because I want you to know that your Heavenly Father loves you and he'll answer your prayers. And she prayed and God answered in a miraculous way. And I said, Christy, are you starting to realize that God really loves you just like he loves me? And she said, yes, and it's wonderful. Folks, that's what this is about. That's what transforms us when we realize God didn't simply send his son into the world to save other folks. God loves us, and he sent his son to save us. And if you are trusting in him, you are his child forever. And his spirit lives in us. Romans 8, we remember, if you'll remember, we studied Romans not very long ago. Romans 8, verses 9 through 14. This is what God says. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Did you hear what he said? That's God's word to you. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. That's verse 11. Have you trusted Jesus? If you're trusting in Jesus, he lives in you. You may have some problem that you've struggled with and you've believed the devil's lie that you just can't change. That's just the way you are. Not true. 
It's not true. Well, I just can't help it. I'm just, you know, I, I just lie spontaneously. Well, all liars are going to be in hell. So if you're a child of God, that's got to change. You've got to die to self and live in the light. Well, I just can't help it. You know, I come from a long line of very immoral people, and adultery is just something that runs in my family. Don't kid yourself. You're not going to heaven if you live that way. Well, I thought you said if I'm a Christian. Yeah, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you, and you are no longer a slave to sin. You now have the power to say no to that stuff that used to control you. So the question is, have you really repented and believed the good news? I want to remind you of what the good news is. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. On the third day, he was raised to life according to the scriptures. What does that mean? Does that mean just that according to the scriptures these things happened? No, it means these things happened in accordance with the scriptures. Did you hear what is written in John? John, who's writing this, is the young man who got to the tomb first. He looked in and it says he believed. Why? Because he saw the evidence, okay? But he says, we had not yet understood that Jesus had to rise from the dead according to the scriptures. And so Jesus, when he appears to them, begins explaining, as Pastor Pat read to us at the start of the service, this is what the scripture said. He opened their minds so that they could begin to understand, oh my word, it's all through there. Peter's going to, on the day of Pentecost, quote from the psalmist David, who he says, spoke by the Holy Spirit, saying, you will not allow your servant to undergo decay. You're going to raise him up. And he says, I can tell you this, David is still in the tomb. But Jesus is alive. And we've seen him. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ is alive. And Jesus Christ is Lord. You need to start responding to him as someone who's alive. Do you know him? Or do you just know about him? Do you believe he's real? Or do you trust and obey? Jesus has conquered death. The consequence is that we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. It's a defeated enemy. Satan is doomed. So we don't have to be afraid ever again of Satan. Oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? You and I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because Jesus kicked down the door from the inside. He conquered death. He conquered death. The stone was rolled back, not in order to let Jesus out, but in order to show that he had risen. And you and I don't ever have to be afraid again. If you know him, if you're trusting him, if you walk with him, 
then whatever comes, it's going to be okay. But bad things happen, yes, but Jesus is Lord. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. You want me to pray for you? I'm happy to pray for you. But if you're a Christian, I want you to know something. He's praying for you. He's praying for you. My prayers are good. His prayers are perfect. Bring your problems to him. Say, Lord, after all that you've done for me, how can I not trust you? You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.